Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us, we want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I'm your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman, coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Cody Paulson, coming to us from Houston, Texas, by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Cody, how are you doing, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? Gentlemen, doing well. Thank you again for having me on. You guys can find me on Twitter at the Cody Paulson. Uh, let's start tweeting about socks, man. A lot of good energy around the team right now. A lot of fun things to talk about. Terry, how are you doing? I am living the life down here in Myrtle Beach, thinking about going to the ocean for the first time tomorrow. So the, the temperature in the water down here is about 71, 72 degrees. So unlike Maine, you don't go into like immediate shock as soon as you jump in due to the cold temperatures. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, quick check of the standings. Red Sox are currently in fourth place after a uh, two to one series victory over the Philadelphia Phillies. They are seven and a half games back from the division leading Tampa Bay Rays. They only lost one game this weekend. And it looks like the Red Sox are actually in third place for the wild card. Now that I look at it, Toronto, a half a game ahead of the Red Sox, but Still one of the best records in Major League Baseball. Three of the four best are in the AL East. So um, playing way over their heads, certainly doing better than I thought they would. And uh, yeah, we got as a special bonus, we've got James Paxton being activated on Tuesday. Not clear when he'll make his uh, first start, but I bet... He does not last long on the roster. Yeah. Speaking of betting real quick for you folks, attention, Massachusetts and Connecticut listeners. We have an awesome limited time promo for new DraftKings users. Pause and place a $5 wager on any sport to get $150 instantly added to your account. Bonus bets win or lose. All you have to do is use our code bastards at sign up to redeem. Using our code BASTARDS is a great way to support the pod. So if you don't yet have a DraftKings account, do us a solid and sign up with code BASTARDS and place that first bet. New customers only, 21 and older, and physically present in Massachusetts or Connecticut. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-327-5050. Valid. One offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable And Charlie is frozen. So the tail end of that ad, you have to be physically present in both Massachusetts and Connecticut to be eligible for the bonus. So, uh, and Charlie is back. He actually flew from California back to Rhode Island. So not his current situation, but... How are we, Charlie? We just got the ad finished. 
We just got the ad finished. And Terry, one thing I was going to ask you before I got cut out for a brief second is where can the fans find you on Twitter? Just so we can follow the same cadence. You can find me in all of my mischief at Cushman MLB. I love it. I love it. So um, this is going to be really, really fun. Naturally, as the Red Sox were able to pull this one out, we're going to be doing studs and duds to start. Uh, Terry, we're going to let you go first with your stud. I'm really looking forward to this segment tonight for multiple reasons, but I really want to hear who you have for your stud. Go ahead. Lead us off. I am going with um, Big Poppy Jr., Rafi Devers. Uh, he's really started to turn it around the last few weeks, uh, hitting pretty well in clutch situations, especially uh, Saturday night. He kind of... He kind of broke the, the game open a little bit with a uh, double, which was a line drive into left center. That scored a couple of runs. Uh, that was off of Falter, the Philly starting pitcher. And you're just starting to see. He, I mean, Devers had been slipping and was starting to flirt with, you know, the Mendoza line. And um, luckily, as all of that was happening with him, the Red Sox were still surging all around him to basically become the number one offense in Major League Baseball. So it wasn't uh, it really was a non story because we were we were killing it. And, you know, Devers has quietly turned it back around. He's got his average uh, back up to 250. Like to see him draw a few more walks. Um, typically he's a pretty high on base guy did not even, uh, walk one single time, uh, all weekend, but was still four for 11 on the series and, uh, drove in, uh, three runs overall. I think Tristan Casas was the only home run for the series, if I'm not mistaken. So we weren't, we weren't putting them over the fence, uh, very much, but, uh, but yeah, I liked what I saw from Devers and, uh, he had a great start to April. You know, it was one of these years he's going to compete for an MVP. You know, he's always a top 10 guy, roughly, which you'll take. You know, that's a $30 million a year player if uh, that's who you are perennially. But I'd love to see him get in that conversation. Cody. Terry made a lot of great points, right? You know, Devers is a, you know, a perennial league leader in extra base hits, whether it be doubles or home runs or, or RBIs. Um, he was kind of coming off the skids a little bit, right? You know, as, as Terry had mentioned, he was flirting with the Mendoza line. One of the things that I think we've seen with him this year that has been uh, unlike previous years is he seems to be pressing at the plate a little bit more than years past. Uh, you know, years past, he'd let a pitcher two go by, kind of, you know, size up the pitcher, figure out what's going on and either muscle a home run or, or flip one the opposite way that, you know, ends up squeaking out where you're like, that they get off the end of the bat? What happened there? Um, you know, this effortless power that, you know, him and, and Big Bobby Sr., as, as Terry would, I guess, like to say in the scenario, uh, seem to possess. But it seems like he's swinging earlier in at-bats. He's, you know, having three, four, five pitch at-bats a lot more frequently, and he's, he's trying to do all of his damage in one swing. Uh, towards the end of that Blue Jays series, you know, he really uh, seemed to – I wouldn't say change his approach, but shifted a little bit more. And I think we started to see that with the, with the double on the home run in that finale, as well as, you know, having a more productive series here in Philadelphia. 
Um, another thing to, to mention, right, you know, Casas was the only one uh, that left the yard and it was a solo pop, but that's not how this team is necessarily built, right? Yeah, like Yoshida will go uh, yard occasionally and, you know, really the home run power is going to come from the likes of a Devers or a Duval or a Story when they return. Um, but this team still puts up runs, right? You know, this is that relentless offense that we were we were sold over the offseason and it's, it's good to see it work and this team is going to go as far as, as Rafi goes, right? Because he is that guy that can leave a yard in a moment's notice. And when he gets going, it's, it's a sight to see. And it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. So it's good to see him kind of shake off um, that mini slump and, and get back to the Rafi that we know and love. Charlie is uh, frozen again, still having Wi-Fi signals. Let me ask you a question, Cody. Would you rather see Devers hit 35 home runs or 45 doubles? Which would which is going to help the team the most? Uh I would say 35 home runs from Devers would help the team more than 45 doubles. Um I think he is the big bopper in the lineup. I think he's the guy that's, you know, kind of tapped as the the base clearer per se. Um, you know, it depends on where they, I guess, where they bat him in the lineup, right? If he's if he's batting two, then the forty five doubles. But if they move him down a little bit more, like they have been, uh, then the thirty five homers. So Devers is on pace to hit record number of home runs, record number of RBIs. His double numbers are going to be really high up there too. But like you already mentioned, he it, it just feels like he's swinging for a home run every single time. His batting average is way down. He's been told no more stealing bases. We don't want to run the risk of having that happen. Um, he's on pace to hit less than 40 doubles, like maybe, maybe 30, 35 doubles at this rate because he's swinging for a home run every single time. It's insane. If he has a four for 11 week, three singles, a double, three, four RBIs, I'm not going to complain. I know he's going to have weekends and weeks where he's going to be more productive. So I'm not going to get too down on the fact that Devers had an off day. That's it. So off weekend, how, however you want to look at it, I'm okay with it. This is someone who's – he's got to be top three, top four in RBIs. He's first or – I think Max Muncy's the only player in Major League Baseball with more home runs than he does. So, again, this is like a, a sure bet stud series in and series out. I just think he's going to ultimately drive in more runs if he's hitting extra bases, much like he did on Saturday. So that's kind of why I would lean towards that. Um, Mark DeRosa was the, uh, you know, Team America WBC manager, and he's weekly on an MLB show called uh, MLB Central. And there's a soundbite of him from a few years ago, and they still play it to this day. And he's talking about offense in general. And he says everything in moderation except bullets up the gap. And that's what I want to see. I just feel like a lot of damage can done can be done. And I think that's that's what I think that's why the Red Sox are so good offensively. You see the the Blue Jays and the Phillies and even the Orioles a little bit in, in the most recent series. They're flying out to the warning tracks a lot. And the Red Sox just want to make decent contact, put it in play. Don't try to do too much. And I think that mindset is why we're thriving right now. You don't see Verdugo trying to crush it every time or 
um, or Justin Turner, you're you're seeing the same type of situational hitting with with Reese McGuire and uh, and and even Duran. He's not trying to crush it anymore. He's just trying to trying to drive that ball. You're seeing it with Yoshida and. I just think that's why the Red Sox are just exceeding everybody's expectations. They're just smarter. They have a higher IQ in the batter's box, and I think the rest of the team, the rest of the league, is just falling behind on that. You brought up a. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Cody. I would say it's refreshing to hear Terry talk talk positively about the approach <laughs> of the Red Sox. I just wanted uh, to comment on it. Give credit where credit's due. Uh, sorry, Charlie. You were saying. No, no, I, I mean, absolutely great point. Um, Terry mentioned something about Tristan Casas being the only guy that hit the home run. He was the only home run, and it happened. He cut the lead in half. It went from 2-0, 2-1. Unfortunately, we didn't win the third game of the series. But I'm okay with you guys playing small ball baseball and winning games. I don't care. Like, I don't need to see five home runs a game with nobody on base. I'd rather see, uh, you know, a four, five, six to two, six to three, seven to three game where we have one home run or no home runs and just a boatload of doubles. I believe it was last year that JD Martinez was on fire with doubles to start the season. If it wasn't last year, it was the year before that. He just was on a tear. And then all of a sudden he was like, no, nah, I'm not doing doubles anymore. I'm going to try to get home runs. No, like you were doing so great as the doubles guy. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And you don't win eight games by accident. Yes, some, some luck has to go your way. And the Red Sox have done very, very well, as mentioned on TV, on the radio. We have a lot of come-from-behind victories. I'm okay with that. I, I, I don't care. We finally have the, the luck falling our way after you know several years of it going the wrong way. And they're having fun. So I'm not going to complain. Good. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, who's next? I think Cody. Cody. Yeah, Cody, who's your stud? So my stuff for this series, uh, kind of, you know, like you guys had mentioned with with Devers, is going to be Kenley Jansen. You know, he, he's a guy that's going to get a lot of credit, I think, you know, knock on wood throughout the entire season. Uh, a consummate professional, a, go, a guy that just goes out there and gets the job done. Um, you know, again, two save opportunities, two save um, converted, right? Uh, four strikeouts out of six outs uh, got. And it, it's just, I you know, I, I feel like a broken record at this point it's such a relief to know that when he's on the mound, knock on wood, chances are things are going to go smoothly, right? We have yet to see what it looks like when, when it all blows up in his face. But even if he gets guys on base, it's not like his cadence changes. You know, he's not yanking pitches. He's not losing his control. He's still going to be able to battle back and throw, you know, a high heat to put guys away, right? The, the at-bat he had against Turner was, was remarkable, you know, bottom, bottom of the ninth games hanging in the balance. And you got, you know, I believe it was the tying running at the plate. If not, the go-ahead run and, you know, just comes back, strikes him out on four pitches. And it, it's just so refreshing through, you know, the bullpen woes that we've had in, in years past to know um, that we just got a guy at the back end that's going to lock it down. Um, and, you know, if if Blyer is, you know, the, the anchor that we got to be, quote-unquote, saddled with to get Barnes out of this bullpen so that we know who the closer is, then that's fine with me. Uh, you know, I'll have uh, different takes on him later on in the show. But Kenley, again, you know, is is just a guy that I think gives confidence and gives defined roles to the other players in the in the bullpen and allows them to go out and execute better as opposed to trying to vie for a closer spot or, you know, press pitches and end up, you know, overexerting themselves. So he's my stud for this week. Terry. 
I've said a lot of nice things about Jansen, and I've gone into how it's so great to have uh, basically an automatic save in the ninth inning. And he's continued to be that guy. I know he did have one, finally his first blip against the Guardians, and um, we didn't even lose the game as a result of it. It just went into extra innings, um, and then the Red Sox ultimately did win. But it's just... You look at where we were last year, all the anxiety we had in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, and when you can at least solve the ninth inning, the rest of it just falls into place. It really does. You you know who you have available, and we've got tons of weapons right now. You know, you can use Chris Martin, who's had a pretty good start, got hurt uh, for a couple weeks there, but has come back with no ill effects. Schreiber doesn't look quite as good as he was last year, but still very effective. Still a guy I trust uh, coming out of that pen. And, uh, of course, Winkowski has been phenomenal. You know, just a, a complete revelation as a potential high-leverage back-end guy. And I just think it makes their lives a lot easier knowing that Kenley's going to come in and, and get it done. Uh, in the ninth you you don't have to put them in roles that are, are going to be you know too much pressure so love the uh continued dominance uh from jansen we have not had this kind of shut the door guy in the ninth inning in what feels like probably since craig kimball when he was locked down or koji uahara uh before him and it's it's so refreshing, such a nice breath of fresh air to know we don't have to worry about the ninth inning. Yeah, one blip, but you know what? Even if he blows one save every month, that's fine. That's still a lot better than blowing one save every series or one series every week or one game every week. So I'm I'm super happy that we got uh, Jensen. Some people thought this was a bad move, which, you know, not every move is going to be a bad move. You can't get every all-star. And in my opinion, this is an all-star closer. This is a guy that if you have him in there, you are not going to be disappointed. And he has the chance to strike out the side. That cutter is lethal. That is an absolute disgusting pitch. He needs a permit to throw that. It's <laughs> it's just insane. And um, this is a guy who I thought – there's a possibility that the Red Sox could have the AL saves leader on their team. This is not going to be a guy who pitches every single game. We're not going to have too, too many save opportunities. I will, I will admit this eight game stretch is great, but you know, in a four game set or a three game set, you're going to hold get one save opportunity minimum. You're going to bring in Jensen. You're going to shut the door. You're going to get those saves. I, I did feel that Jensen had the opportunity to get 40, 45 saves as a member of the Red Sox in year one. I think it's a possibility. I'm not going to down it. And let me uh, also remind everyone, uh, we have Jansen under contract through next season. So it's not even a, it's not even a one year thing. And uh, I'm just pulling up the saves lead right now, just to see where we're at with that. So Jansen. He's actually tied for third. He, uh, actually, uh, there's two guys with nine. There's two guys with nine, and there's one with eleven. Actually, I'm showing he's he would be he's showing six, which is essentially four. So Emmanuel Class A, who's probably the you know w one of the better uh, closers uh, for the Guardians anyway. Twelve. Josh Hader up there towards the top every year, year in and year out. I keep waiting for him to flame out, and he hasn't to his credit. Still, 
you know, probably will be one of the best closers of this decade. Even he's got 11 David Bednar with the first place pirates has nine Jordan Romano with the blue Jays has also nine Red Sox walked him off though. That was great. Uh, Paul Sewald, Sewald, I admittedly, I don't Seattle's know. Seattle's guy. Yeah, Seattle's That's Seattle's guy. closer. We'll just call him I the Seattle more guy. He's got, yeah, he, I should. he's in the three-way tie with nine. Then finally, Jansen. But the Red Sox offense has just been so potent, so explosive. You know, that takes opportunities away from Jansen. And then, you know, Chris Sales and and Corey Kluber, when they, the handful of times they've been lit up, that's going to take opportunities away as well. So I should have been more specific when I said that, because when I, when I said third, I meant the American league. And that was to that oh. point earlier that I was talking and that's my fault. I should have been more specific. That's my fault. Gotcha. Um, Cause you couldn't have, you couldn't have understood that if I didn't explain it. Um, Emmanuel Clase is one of the most explosive closers, but one thing he's really struggling with is he's not striking anybody out this year. Like he's not, He's not getting strikeouts the way that he did last year and the year before. He's getting saves. Um, he's given up home runs. All the closers have given up home runs. Jensen's the only one that hasn't. I have not seen Kenley Jensen give up a home run yet. So uh, I, I know that for a fact he's only given up one run, and the only run he gave up was in a game that he was – he stated – he didn't complain, but he stated, my back doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel great. So there's a chance that it, maybe if he wasn't playing in that game, maybe he still has an ERA of zero. He's that good. True. Absolutely. Right on. Uh, Cody, was there anything else you want to add? No? All right, great. I'm so looking forward to this. I hope everyone is sitting down. I hope everyone has their seatbelts on. This is going to be great. This is going to be a biblical moment and a humbling moment for some of the people that we know and some of the zeros out there that think that they know a little bit more than some of Uh-oh. Man, unfortunate for Charlie to to get to, Charlie, to drop when he's on a soapbox. The third time. Uh, okay, he's back. Hopefully, he was so excited about that promo. He drove all the way from California to get bad Wi-Fi in Rhode Island. That's awful. That's so <laughs> bad. That's so crappy. Here we go. So I'm, I'm I'm we're doing something with the bandwidth. If this happens again, I'm literally going to turn on the hotspot on my phone because I'm getting frustrated. Anyways, uh, Chris Sale was my stud in series. Chris Sale, who went six innings and struck out 10 guys, and after three innings and one hit, I believe one walk and five strikeouts, someone close to us that we like, that we enjoy chatting with, said, up oh, back to the old Chris Sale. And I said, damn it, the game's not even over yet. This is not even done. Guy ends up going another three innings, strikes out another five, allows one more run, a couple more hits, almost 100 pitches, lights out Chris Sale. Old Chris Sale is back. And we have a lot of like zeros out there that think that there's somebody that, you know, we're still trying to see if they're really relevant out there in the, in the Red Sox fan base community. But I've been Chris Sale supporter since day one, he could have a blip or two or whatever. And he's had games where, you know, the strikeouts just aren't working, but that pitch was electric. He was throwing 98. I think I saw one hit 99 when he was pitching. It just, it felt like vintage Chris Sale. And yes, I know that consistency is key, and that's a part of the game, and you guys definitely want to see a little bit more before we call it what it is. I'm pumped. I'm really excited because I loved seeing what I saw from Chris Sale in the first game of this series. Came out and gave us classic Chris Sale. Uh, Cody, I'm going to let you go first uh, with your in input here. 
I believe when we did our bold takes for the season, uh, one of my bold takes was Chris Sale is going to win 15 games with a sub 3-5 ERA. Um, I don't know if we, we have somebody out there tallying it down or whatnot. So for me, this is just a sight for sore eyes. I'd love to see this. This guy's starting to stack together good outings. You know, he had the, the great outing against, I believe it was Minnesota with the 11 strikeouts. And, he, you know, he had, we'll call it a subpar by Chris Sale standards outing his, his next time out. But then, you know, for him to be able to bounce back, uh, was great. And a thing that was perhaps even more encouraging for me to see was in that fourth inning, right? When things started to go off the rails a little bit, he gave up those three runs. The infield was like, whoa, 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 guys, let's slow it down. Let's not let this get away from us like it has in years past. You know, he's only made a handful of starts over the last couple of seasons, and he was able to settle back down, you know, get out of that inning. And like you said, Charlie, finish those um, next couple of innings off rather remarkably. And you know, I think that's something that we're hopefully going to start to see out of him a little bit more, right? This guy runs so high, so hot all the time that if it does start going off the rails a bit, he generally does implode or, you know, has a has a flame out to that to that start. So for him to be able to to kind of calm it down, recenter, refocus and and close out that outing, end up having it become uh, a quality start, hand the ball over to the bullpen for for a win was was just wonderful to see. Terrence, I got to say nice things about Chris Sale. So it, it was a pretty good outing. I mean, if he's only going to give up three, I mean, given what he's been through, you're going to take that every time. First inning, you know, three up, three down. A uh, couple of ground outs made it a quick inning. Uh, second inning, he did give up a single to JT Real Muto. Other than that, got through it pretty much uh, unscathed. And actually, he did have an assist from uh, Machine Gun Wong in that inning uh, by gunning down uh, a base runner. So uh, that was good. And uh, three up, three down again in the third. And then all kinds of mischief in the uh, fourth. I don't know what was going on there, but Bryson Stott singled, then Trey Turner singled, and then Bryce Harper uh, walked, who is off to a phenomenal start. He didn't have any rehab starts. He has not played since the playoffs last year, no rehab starts, and he's just crushing it right now. Uh, Hit uh, one home run. I think it was later on this game. Don't quote me, but uh, did hit a home run in the series. And, uh, and then Nick Castellanos, my boy, Charlie hates him, but that's fine. Um, drove in one, uh, kind of on a, on a fielder's choice, uh, force out, uh, and then, um, Schwarber singled all kinds of mischief, but then finally, um, you know, the three, three runs came in and he got a fly out, uh, from, uh, JT Romuto and then a, a ground out uh, from Alec Boom. And then I thought I was listening on the radio and I thought, okay, this is where this is where it all unravels for sale. It's the second time through. They kind of have an idea. They know it's coming. And then but the blip was over three up, three down in the fifth. And then uh, and then in the sixth. Oh, that was. No, Schwarber hit the home run. Uh, okay, my bad. Uh, but that that wasn't off a of, um, what's his name anyway. So, but yeah. So anyway, uh, good outing uh, for sale. And uh, liked what I saw. 
You know, I think the real telling thing for me was the third inning of that appearance. He hits Sosa on like the fourth or fifth pitch with a fastball up and in. And uh, he gets over to second base on a pass ball. And you slowly but surely seeing what could be like, uh, here we go. And at no point was I nervous, was I concerned, did I think, all right, cool, we're in big trouble because it's Chris bleeping sale. And he did what he is is going to do. Like, this is vintage sale. Guthrie comes up. He goes down swinging. Schwarber goes up. He struck out a lot. And he goes down by way of the sinker. And then Turner comes up. He sits him down. A mix of change-ups and fastballs only through, like, one or two sliders uh, in that inning. And he was just going power fastball, power sinker, and that was it. He just... It wasn't the pitch that everyone was expecting. He didn't throw the slider as much as everybody thought. Everyone thinks he's a fastball slider guy. No. It just I think this is this was just the appearance that Chris Sale needed to have his coming out party. I, I really I really could not wait to see how many strikeouts he was gonna pile on because he just looked so good in that appearance. So really happy with that. Anything else that either one of you guys wanted to add? Uh, no. No? Right on. Um, any honorable mentions that you guys had in particular? Uh, Terry, was there any, any one uh, honorable mention you wanted to mention? Well, actually, uh, I meant to mention with Chris Sale. <laughs> there was – I still don't understand what happened, but before the game, uh, this was, I think, Saturday night, Cutter Crawford and Matt Strom had this stare down and refused to stop staring down. Both got ejected and – Apparently, with with um, Crawford, where he's on the injured list, he's going to um, basically be subject to a larger fine. So Chris Sale's going to cover that fine <laughs> for him. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, all three starting pitchers, they all gave up uh, exactly three earned runs. So not bad. Um and uh, but that's about all I have for uh, Cody. If I if I can, I'm going to interject with one right here, and that's uh, Massa, dude. He just continues the hitting streak. It's up to I believe 16 after today. Kind of an ugly start though, because he got on base and then he kind of made the you know the gesture that he was going over to second that got picked off against you know one of the better catchers in baseball, and you're just you're you're not going to pull a fast one by Real Muto and. Uh, he tried to get a little cheeky, and it didn't end up working out in his favor. But I'm I'm still super impressed and super proud with what I've seen from from Masa uh, Tanaka, um, or yeah, Masataka Yoshida, excuse me. And um, I think this is just the beginning. I think he's now also found his groove, and it's all of these players that I think we were kind of unsure about, and it just needed a month. You, they just needed a little bit of time. And now they've had it. They're making the adjustments they need. Chris Sale's throwing more than just sliders and fastballs. Uh, Massa's seeing literally everything well. He's getting on base. He's doing everything. He had multiple multi-hit games. Um, the, the other guy was, was Tapia. Tapia came in and scored, I think it was five runs in two games. Like, just incredible. This is a guy who people are like, well, we can send him down. He's, he's just, we don't need him anymore. Uh, but that, that's, those are my two. Cody, anybody else you want to add? 
Well, I was going to, you know, give a tip of the cap to Masa. Obviously, you know, a guy that's on a hitting streak like he's on right now has to be mentioned, whether, you know, he's a stud or, or an honorable mention. But, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to give Romel Tapia his credit as well because he's just affecting the game, you know, on the box sheet or just, you know, just being on the base path, you know, putting the ball in play and, and just creating havoc with speed. Um, and, you know, he's kind of like an X factor or a dynamic guy that, you know, the Red Sox don't typically have on their team, but is is one that is what we're starting to see at the elk of, of the team of the 2023 season. Right. I don't know, trying to put the ball in play, do whatever it takes to get on base. And then from there, let's just see what happens. Um, and, you know, he was the perfect embodiment of that this series. Like you said, you know, five runs in two games. You don't you can't do that by accident. And so it's just good to see him get some consistent playing time and, and be able to affect the team in a positive way. And, and just and just to to be specific, um, it was the first he uh, he scored three runs at the end of the last series. First two two runs were the beginning of this series, but still five runs from somebody who no one expected to score five runs in two games. I think five runs in a week, two weeks would have been a lot for what we thought he would do. And he's like, no, hold my beer. How about two games? So I think it's important to to be able to talk about uh, you know the highlights there. Terry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he is on a 16-game streak like Cody was just referring to. Um, here's some notable streaks. I, I posted this on social media. We all know Joe DiMaggio, 56, untouchable. That'll probably never – no one will ever sniff that. The most this century, and I wasn't aware of this until I looked it up, in the 21st century, the person who hit the most – do you have any ideas to who that was, Charlie? Jackie Bradley Jr. I think it was at 27. I'm talking across MLB. Oh. Who do you think it uh, might have been? How many years are we going back? Oh, I forget what year it was. Probably at least maybe right around 15 or so. 15 years? Yeah. Um, This is going to sound like a weird one. I, I, I'm going to go completely random. Not a member of the Red Sox. Oh, right. No, Correct. National, national uh, is it Troy Tulowitzki? No, uh, Jimmy Rollins of the Phillies. Oh shoot! Okay, hit, what was it? He hit thirty-eight of them. So that wow. that's the most in the twenty-first century by any player. Um, the most this century of any Red Sox player. It's actually a tie between Jackie Bradley Jr. and Johnny Damon, who had his run in two thousand five. Uh, they they're both tied at uh, twenty-nine. And if you're wondering who the most in Red Sox history was, and I would have assumed it was, you know, Teddy Ballgame or, uh, you know, one of those guys back in the day. And it's uh, it's Dom DiMaggio, who I think did play in that era, but he he wow. he hit 34. So 34 games in a row is the most of any Red Sox player. And uh, so it's kind of weird. His his brother's the all time MLB leader and he's the all time Red Sox leader. So that's pretty remarkable. I remember that uh, JBJ had the record and I remember that they, they took him out of like the eight or nine hole and put him in the leadoff hole. And then he lost his hitting streak after being promoted to the one hole uh, of that following game. So for those that were looking for that little bit of information, I do remember them talking about it. Like why, why do they do that? Why, why change something that isn't broken? Just let him stay in the same spot. He's doing his job, but that is what it is. Yeah. Anything else we want to add before we move on to duds? No? Perfect. Uh, all right. Um, Terry, why don't you hit us with your dud for the series? 
My dud for the series is a certain infielder who went 0 for 10. Four strikeouts, not a great series. He's been kind of cool in the last few weeks, and that is the red-headed stepfather, uh, a.k.a. Justin Turner. He can't be the stepchild. He's like almost as old as me, for crying out loud. Uh, but not a great series for him. Uh, was it consequential? Not really, because um, we won the series regardless, 2-1. to one. And um, weirdly, one of his strikeouts, he uh, was due to the new hitting rules. He wasn't looking at the pitcher uh, in the last eight seconds. So you, you would think he would kind of be settled into that rhythm right now and uh he questioned it i forget who the home plate umpire was there, there it didn't get too intense but they there was a discussion cora came out made sure it was gonna stay cool and turner eventually just went back to the dugout so um yeah cody my stud uh i mean not much to say right he was just kind of a, a non-factor the whole weekend i feel like you know um a lot of these games were were ho-hum games and he's a guy that kind of disappeared into the box score um and that's going to happen from time to time right you know rafi was doing it for a while there except for you notice it when rafi doesn't produce and um you know when when turner doesn't produce sure you're going to notice it because you're expecting production but it's it's definitely not to the same expectations um you know, it's good to see that the team was still able to pick up two out of three without him, but uh, we're going to be able to do a lot more damage in, you know, hopefully the postseason uh, if if he's able to contribute more than an over 10. We lose Charlie. There we go. Yep. Couldn't hit uh, unmute. So over 10 in the series, seven for 14 in the series before. You go from hitting 500 to nothing. You're 7 for 24 in the last two series. That's just a shade underneath 300, if my math is correct. 7 for 24. It's like 2, 290 or 289, something like that. Um, I'm not concerned. I'm not worried. He's had a couple of RBIs um, in, the, you know, in the month of May. He had an RBI in the series. I believe it was the first game of, of the three-game set. I'm I'm okay with this. I'm okay with the fact that he's um he ha- he'll have like a a slow a slow series. If you can, I- I'd like it to be a little bit more consistent. But let's not forget in the series before he had three multi hit games in a row. So I'm I'm not concerned about t- uh, Turner on this. That's just my two cents. Um, anything else that we wanted to add on Turner? Uh, nope. Nope. Cool. Straight. Uh, Cody, who'd you have? Yeah, like you like you mentioned with Turner, right? Uh, you know, not necessarily to continue on that, but the team's firing on all cylinders right now, right? Like it's it's hard to be worried. It's hard to beat these guys down because you know it seems like at least people, enough people are clicking each night to pick up others that might not be. And you know, the team's obviously playing a very good brand of baseball. Uh, we're going to segue that into to Blyer being uh, my dud for for this series. You know, he had a good first outing, uh, taking the ball from Sale. I believe it was a scoreless outing with one strikeout, but. Um, the reason he's my dud for this one is he came into the game, took the ball from Hauk in game three. You know, the game was very much, you know, in the balance, right? I think it was two to one at that point. And he just promptly gives up a no doubter to Schwarber uh, that really kind of put the game away. I think it stretched it to four to one at that point. Uh, you know, this team is resilient. It is, it is got the league lead, I believe, for come from behind wins at, I think, 11, um, which coincidentally is the same number as the amount of times they've knocked out the opposing starting pitcher before the fourth inning. Um, But 
Um, it's it's tough, right? You had a chance to sweep the team, go into the next series uh, against the Braves, I believe, um, with even more momentum, stretch the league leading, uh, win streak, and and just to to kind of give up a deflating home run uh, earns the dud for the week for me. Terry. Richard Blyer is a champion uh, among the Bluminati. They love to defend that um, move, but um, I'm, I'm not going to get too, too hard on him. Uh, you know, he's had, let's see, in one, two, three, four, five out of his 14 games, he has uh, given up uh, an earned run. One of those games was four runs, so that's kind of why his uh, earned run average uh, is inflated a little bit, but I'm just not super impressed. I mean, he's more of a finesse guy. He's not going to blow you away. And uh, at the end of the day, I guess I'd rather be a little annoyed by Richard Blyer than I would be by Matt Barnes eventually because uh, <laughs> that got old. So, Yeah, it got old real fast. Um, not too much to add to what Cody just said. Um, yeah, he, he comes in and just moments later uh, – just promptly gives a gift to Kyle Schwarber, no longer from Boston, who hits a moonshot. I think it was like 420 feet to center field. So that, that put the game out of reach. You know, you go from two, one, four, one. And then uh, I think it was Real Muto got the two run single there at the end, um, made it six to one, the third game of the set. Um, I, you know, he's had some seasons. If you look at his numbers in the past, he's pitched for a, a couple of different teams. He's never been a strikeout guy. Uh, Terry just mentioned he's a finesse guy, not going to blow anybody away. But it is tough to see a guy pitch one inning and need to throw 20 times in that inning. It just It's just very unsexy. And he, he's on that list of unsexy pitchers. He's going to labor a little bit. I mean, a third of an inning, he gave up a, a moonshot. I don't know if I'm ever going to be a supporter of, of Blyer here. Um, I think he could potentially be a on the short list for dud uh, for, for, you know, sets and shows that we're going to do together. Um, I don't think he's nearly as bad as the guy that I hated pitching for the Red Sox. And this is BC. This is before Cody. Um, <laughs> he was my uh, Terry. I, I believe my line was, he wasn't my dud for the series. He wasn't my dud for the, 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 the month. He was the, my dud for the year. He was just that bad. Matt Hall. Do you remember who it was? Matt Hall. It wasn't Matt Hall. It was Matt Hall to start. And then after Matt Hall, we had another guy that the Bluminati really, really liked. Do you remember who it was? What season was this? This is not, this is a couple seasons ago. He came in. Everyone thought he was going to be the second coming of Christ. Uh, Garrett Richards. Garrett Richards, baby. Oh yeah. (laughs) He was so bad. Yeah, Richards is so bad. So uh, that that was another BC pick. But um, yeah, Cody, anything you want to add to to Blyer there? I mean, Terry mentioned it. You know, I, I could I couldn't care less if this guy gets no more appearances for the rest of the season. He got Matt Barnes off of this team, and for that, I'll be forever grateful. Matt Barnes was an awful experiment. He had one good season, and we kept putting him out in high leverage situations. We know not to do that with Richard Blyer, and uh, so I'm um, I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah, let's keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, we're aligned. We're aligned. Uh, my dub for this series is Jaron Duran. I know this is going to be a little bit of a, a, a hot one because Duran's been able to do so much, but 
you know, Justin Turner, 0 for 10. Jaron Duran, only one more hit better. One for 11 in this in that little set. Struck out a couple times at a single, a run scored. But again, this is the same kind of thing. If if you can continue to to produce week in and week out, I'm okay just saying, all right, you had a bad week. You're my dud. And I'm okay with it. And I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, Terry, anything you want to add to Jaron Duran? He only struck out three times the whole series, so it's not like we're seeing a you know a notable regression here. Um, you know, if he goes on to have a couple of bad series or maybe three, it's important for us to see that he can bounce back from that, that he can pull himself out of that because he wasn't able to do that in any of his previous stints and. I want Jaron Duran to succeed. I really do. I mean, he annoyed me a little bit last year with, you know, complaining about Boston fans being too tough on him. And I, I, you never want to hear that. But um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not really concerned uh, at this point. Cody. I mean, take what you said about Justin Turner, rinse, repeat apply to just uh jaron duran right it's one bad series he can't be on you know he's not gonna hit 400 for an entire season if he was i mean let's bring in the teddy ball game uh comparisons and that'd be you know a whole other conversation that i think all of us would thoroughly enjoy having but yeah it's one it's one bad series you know and as you know terry made another great point um that i was gonna make was how does he bounce back from this right because this is so much of a a confidence type player where you know he came in hot, played well at his first call-up last year, and then hit the skids and, and was never really able to recover. So how is he going to do it if he has a little bit of a slump here, you know, if, if he hits the skids for a while? Because I think he reached base in every game that he had played in since he'd been called up, which is just an incredible streak considering, you know, he wasn't the best contact hitter last year. So um, I'm not I'm not worried about it. You know, hopefully the guy bounce back and has a great series, uh, you know, either against Atlanta or, or St. Louis and we get the ship rolling again. So I'm going to throw this bit. And here's the thing. The reason why I'm not going to really harp on Jaron Duran is Jaron Duran has been in Boston for obviously less than a month. He's only played 20 games in Boston in relation to Wander Franco and Matt Chapman. Those are the only two guys in major league baseball in the American league that have more doubles than Jaron Duran. Matt Chapman has 17 doubles in 126 at-bats. Wander Franco has 14 in 134 at-bats. You can slash that number in half for Jaron Duran. He's had 71 at-bats, and he's had 11 doubles. That's why it's just so easy to say, you know what? He had a bad week. I'm okay with it. Moving on. Because the guy's a doubles machine right now, and he's been able to make the adjustments. And I'm pleasantly surprised because I know I was real big down on him. Jason and I last year were very down on him because it was just... It was a nightmare. I mean, the comments that he made after the Toronto series were bad. But you know what? It's a new year. It's a. It's clearly a new Jaron Duran. So let's move forward, shall we? Um, as far as you know, other other duds in in the series. I, I know that we we have like special. You know, we have we have a couple of extras on there. Tanner Houck, I don't want to say was a, a dud. Like I don't want to you know nominate him for like a dud this series. But that reliever that we had, uh, Zach Littell, or Littell, Little, whatever, <laughs> you know, he just, it, it, it was a bad first first look for, for him against Philly. He's had one appearance and already has given up two runs. So ZRA, while it will definitely come down, um, 
you know, much lower than, you know, Hall's. Uh, it's at 18 right now, but I'm sure he'll he'll bounce back. That was the real one notable because there, there weren't really that many duds in the series. Like, we, we had a really, really good series. And I think it's really important to highlight the highs. The highs are really high, and sometimes the lows are really low. And this was a, this was a high series. So there aren't going to be too many duds. Uh, were there any other uh, honorable dis- or dishonorable mentions you guys want to mention? Yeah, I do have one. Uh, the fan that fell over the railing and into the Red Sox bullpen. Uh, I don't want to say they were badly injured, but um, there was clearly some Red Sox relievers uh, that were shaken up. And what happened was the fan was trying to retrieve a ball that landed on the flower bed, which sits below the, I don't know what you call it, that level that they're on. And she, or he rather, was trying to reach over it and let go of the railing, ended up crashing. It looked like it was probably about 15 feet or so, which is pretty high. Um, It's high. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's bad. It was bad. You know, when they're landing on concrete... And um, in watching uh, the game, you could see um, spacing here. Uh, John Schreiber looked really shaken up. Very, you could see that he was pretty traumatized by what he just saw. And then there was a quote uh, from Josh Winkowski that uh, he was initially concerned that the fan had died. Uh, so it, you know, initially it, it didn't look, uh, didn't look good, but as the fan was being stretchered off, it appeared to be a male, an adult male. Uh, and you, you could, they put it him, was, yeah, they had to carry him down the steps and onto the, basically the warning track out in, uh, uh, towards center field. And as they put him on the cart, even, and as the cart was going, you could see him, talking with uh, the medical personnel, moving uh, his arms and legs and lifting up his head even. So um, right. it uh, could have been worse. It was pretty bad. It, was, it, was, it could have been much worse. Um, it was very badly bloodied, like you mentioned, Terry. And if you, I don't know if you, either one of you guys have ever seen Citizens Bank in, in Philly. I, I went to school in Philadelphia for a year, so I'm pretty familiar with the stadium. That's, that's not a small fall. That's not like, a, oop, I just fell down two stairs. Five feet hurts. Ten feet, ouch. Fifteen even worse. So, you know, we, we uh, naturally as an, as a fellow fan for a different team, we pray that he's okay. And he'll, he'll, you know, be all right, bounce back. And I'm sure he'll, you know, the Phillies will probably have him throughout the first pitch at a game later on this year, once he's, he's fully recovered. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was brutal and uh, understandably so. I think all, all three of us would be pretty shaken if we saw something like that, just a, a grown man fall 15 yeah. feet. That's, that's pretty intimidating. So I think on that, what we'll do is we will wrap it and go into our upcoming series. Uh, so the first series, it's a two-game set against Atlanta here, and I have uh, Pavetta against Charlie Morton. Is that who you have? Yes, that is who I have. All right, and who do you have taking game one? You know, it's uh, this is an interesting matchup. I'm sad that it's only two games because Atlanta's just a, a fun team to watch. But, you know, Charlie Morton's been having his uh, typical, you know, Charlie Morton-type season. You know, he's got his ERA in the threes, basically putting together a lot of uh, quality starts. And, you know, the Braves have been... 
you know, one of the best teams in the National League now going on the last three or four years. It's a very balanced team, and I, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. I'm actually going to go with the Red Sox here. You know, Pavetta's been pretty, pretty solid uh, the last few times out. And um, Morton, not an overpowering guy. I think the Red Sox are going to put the ball in play. Uh, we've hit him fairly well over the last few years. So I don't see why that won't continue. So me being Mr. Positive and appeasing the Bluminati, I will pick the Boston Red Sox to take the first game. That's adorable, Terrence. I love it. Uh, Cody, who do you have game one? Yeah, this is like doing a whole new podcast with a different co-host right now. This is this is wonderful. Uh, I got Pavetta and the Red Sox taking game one as well. Um, it's it's an interesting stat line if you look at Charlie Morton's career against the Red Sox. I believe he's uh, seven and one against us in thirteen appearances, but his ERA is north of four. Right, so you know, was he on good teams that kind of had our number, or you know, was he shutting us down? Right, because you you obviously have to be good against a team to be, to beat them seven um, out of 13 times, but the, the ERA over four gives me hope. And, you know, this reconstructed Red Sox lineup, that's going to put the ball in play. That's going to get that pitch count up. Uh, I like our opportunities, you know, obviously Atlanta's um, lineup likes to hit home runs and, and Pavetta is susceptible to it, but I, I think he's going to keep us in the ball game long enough. He bounces back from giving up a couple of early, early moonshots. And so, um, I like the Red Sox in game one. So, um, uh, Terry didn't want to be Terry tonight, and I, I, I it's fine. That's so, okay. So, so Charlie's going to be Terry. I, I'm going to be Terry. I'm going to be Terry here. All right. So, so Charlie Morton, we're going to talk about numbers, right? So, Charlie Morton is seven and one against the Red Sox in his career. Seven and one. I have no reason to believe that he wants to double up on his losses number this year. So I'm going to go full Terry here and say that the Red Sox will lose game one, which, which I'm okay with because I think it's going to be a split. And, and I'm, I'm therefore giving you that uh, the second game, which I believe we have Brian Bayo pitching. I think we're going to win regardless of who we're facing. I've been picking matchups and I think we've all been picking matchups thinking, okay, we're just going on the history of the pitcher and that's it. We're not really thinking about like the outliers and little things that could potentially pop up and whatnot. I just feel really, really good about uh, game two. I, I think Charlie Morton has our number as he's had in the past. So I'm going to say that the Red Sox lose game one. We win game two. Um, Terry, who do you have for Atlanta pitching game two? Because I don't see anybody listed for ESPN. You know what? Nobody is listed uh, on Nobody's listed. Okay. MLB. Huh. I wonder. So ESPN doesn't have it either. ESPN does not have it. I have Brian Bayo going for the Red Sox, and I, I just I, I like Bayo, so I'm going to go Bayo in Game Two, regardless of who's pitching for Atlanta. It could be whomever; it doesn't matter. Like I feel that confident against. Uh, I just feel confident with Bayo. Uh, Cody, I know we don't have a known definitive starter. Is there somebody? Uh, do you think that the Red Sox can split this, or do you think the uh, the Red Sox will get both? Spencer Strider. I like the Red Sox taking both of them. Okay, Terry. Yeah. Well, um, I don't really – I'm uncomfortable with Bayo because 
his the batting average for the opponents goes up 30 40 50 points each time the the order goes through so he hasn't seemed to figure out how to uh adjust as the you know the batters in the batter's boxes are adjusting and I just, I think, I, I, I just don't like him against that lineup. So I'm going to go with a split here. And um, I'll give the Braves that. Who knows? It might be a bullpen yeah. game. I don't, I have no idea who's going to be pitching that game. You know, I was just looking online and, and after Morton earlier this year, uh, the guy who was pitching after Morton was Elder. But it looks like Elder is pitching after Strider now. So it looks like they manipulated their rotation just a hair uh and maybe that's why we now no longer have a definitive guy for the second game of this series because elder was pitching after morton so that looks to have changed uh for atlanta apparently anything else yeah i got nothing yeah me neither so i think that's gonna wrap it for us tonight um we want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first-time listeners as well. Thank you for joining us on our adventure. We appreciate all of you, whether this is your first time or 1,000th time. And whether you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we thank you. We appreciate you. Don't forget to subscribe. Everyone have a great night. Take care.